0: Come on, y'all. We started a church. Come on, mercy culture. Come on, family. Have a seat, guys. We started a church, y'all. Welcome to Mercy Culture Church. So good to have you with us tonight. Welcome to our very first launch Sunday. Well, there's only one launch Sunday, so it's our very first Sunday. It's also, anyways, a little glimpse into my personality. Welcome. Pastor Jasmine's laughing at me. It's great to have you guys here tonight. My name is Les Cody, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Mercy Culture Church. We are so glad to have you join us here tonight. My lovely wife, Nikki, is on the front row. It is our pleasure to welcome you guys here. The vision of Mercy Culture Church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. How many enjoyed that corporate encounter that we just had? Come on. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord. We're gonna dive into what that means a little bit more in just a moment. But if you'd like to get connected at Mercy Culture Church, you text the word CONNECT to the number on your screen, it's 59090. MC Connect is not just the way that you join Mercy Culture Church. MC Connect is the way that we disciple people. It's the way that we help you learn and discover how you best connect with the Lord and then develop a customized plan just for you to help you encounter God just like we encountered him today in his presence every day in your own home. It's also your first step to getting involved here at Mercy Culture Church. If you're interested, if you want to learn more about our mission, our vision, our values, our unique characteristics, uh, this is the first step to do that. I got a big announcement. Next week, Pastor Landon Schott and Sean Foyt will be here with us. If you don't know who Sean Foyt is, just don't Google him. Just come. Now, Sean is incredible, and uh, he's an amazing, justice-driven man, my kind of man, and he's going to be here next Sunday, and we cannot wait. And now our senior lead pastor is Pastor Landon Schott. If you don't know, Mercy Culture Church in Waco is a campus of Mercy Culture Church in Fort Worth. And what's happening in Fort Worth, Texas, is a miracle. We celebrated our third anniversary this morning. And uh, We were up in Fort Worth this morning, and there were thousands and thousands of people encountering the presence of the Lord. Not only are they encountering the presence of the Lord in person, but they are encountering the presence of the Lord every day, and God is changing lives. Today is also our Heart for Mercy offering. If this is your first time with us, just you can just smile. This is not for you. But if you've been coming and you've been a part of Interest Nights and you have made Mercy Culture Church your home, then you know what Heart for Mercy is. For everybody, we've got, uh, we have purchased our first permanent location. Yeah. Our new building is located at 1020 East Waco Drive in the heart of East Waco, just over the river. And uh, we're so excited. We have already started the process of construction. And over the next few months, we are turning that facility into our church home. But it's gonna take eight or nine months to do it. We hope to be in that building by the first of the year. But I wanna thank Calvary Chapel for allowing us to use their facility. (laughs) Pastor Albert and the leadership just kingdom-minded people. We're so grateful to them. And over the next few months, uh, we'll be meeting on Sunday evenings as we prepare that building to launch. But everything that we receive in Heart for Mercy goes towards the remodel of that building. And uh, the way we say it around here, we, we don't uh, believe in manipulating people. We're not going to line you up and ask you who's stand up if you're going to give a $1,000. Gonna... Do I have $1,000 have $2,000? We're not going to do that. Well we've what we've asked for several weeks now is just for you to ask the Lord what would He have you to do, and then just obey Him. And so if you'd like to give in heart for mercy, you can text HfM give to the number that's going to be up on your screen, or you can give at the end of the night, you can bring your gift forward. But I'm going to teach tonight on expanding spiritual territory through encountering the Spirit of Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews chapter ten, verse nineteen through twenty two. Bible says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. You expand spiritual territory through encountering the Spirit of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we welcome you in this room tonight. We thank you, Spirit of God, that you are already here. We feel your presence. We acknowledge your presence. We say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Lord, I thank you that nobody came to hear me speak, but we all came to hear you. So God, we lay down performance. We lay down comparison. We lay down the need to impress. It's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If this is your first time, you don't know, but the prophetic word of the year over Mercy Culture Church for 2022 is the year of expanding territory. In the scripture that we've been standing on is 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10. It says this, And Jabez called upon the Lord God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge and expand my territory, that you might put your hand of favor upon me so that it might not bring me pain. Our goal for you is not that we would just have a one-time encounter with the Lord. Our goal tonight and our goal every time we come in to meet is not to have a good church service. Our goal is that you would spiritually grow. So let me just say this on the onset, on the offset. We are so grateful that you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, you look good tonight. Look at your second choice and say, it's good to see you. See, some of y'all caught that and some of y'all didn't. It's all right. So we're grateful that you're here tonight, but Mercy Culture Church isn't for you. Mercy Culture Church is for the Lord. And there are two questions that we get asked most often. Well, you're planting a church. What's it? Is it? Is it a church for the lost or is it a church for the saved? Are you building a church that's seeker for the lost? Are you building a church that's going to disciple the saved? We're building a church for Jesus because the church was designed and built and established by the Lord to bring him worship. That's why we're building a church. So tonight is not our audition process to see if you like us. We didn't put on a program and we didn't practice and rehearse to see if, you, if it you know, scratched the right itch and you liked the right thing and you got the feel. Tonight is not about that. Tonight is about you spiritually growing by encountering the presence of the living God. Just like the, the disciples encounter Jesus, we're able to encounter the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Jesus even told us, he told us through the Bible when he was leaving, when he was, was resurrected in and, and the ascension, he said, don't be sad for me because I may be leaving this earth, but I'm leaving with you my spirit. I'm leaving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus unleashed. It's the presence of God with no physical limitations. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. It means that he can be with you in your home, and he can be across town with you in your home, and he can be across the country with you in your home. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus unleashed. Like I said earlier, the vision of Mercy Culture Church is very simple, but it is not at all simplistic. The simple vision is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And sometimes people hear that and they're like, yes, I love it. And sometimes people hear it and go, what's an encounter, right? You don't have to raise your hand, but just inside you can raise your hand. Anybody ever wonder, what's an encounter? Maybe you've seen a video, you've seen uh, seen Instagram posts, you say, "What, what do they mean by an encounter? Well, we put it like this. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. But in Jesus, there are many ways to connect with God. We disciple people by helping them discover how they best connect with God and by teaching them to access the presence of God on a daily basis. Let's talk about what an encounter with the Lord is not. It is not a quiet time. It might be for you, but I'm speaking for me. So when I was growing up... When I was growing up, we, we talked about quiet time. Anybody ever heard that? If you grew up in church, you know what a quiet time is. You need to have a quiet time. Make sure you carve out time for your quiet time. Make sure you get a little disciple book. I'm not, I'm not hating on you. If that's how you encounter the Lord, that's awesome. But for me, it was like it was like nails on a chalkboard. Like that is the least enticing thing you could say to me. A quiet, a quiet time. What are we doing? Like, let's go. It, there is not one way to connect with the Lord. There are many ways. You don't have to encounter God the way the pastor does. I believe that there's a great disservice that we've done in the church where we have at least implicitly said that people have to encounter the Lord the way that the pastor encounters God. Unless you enjoy getting up at 5 a.m., because I have five children, and if I get up any later than five, I'm going to be interrupted. And even then, sometimes I'll be laying on the floor the other day. I was just laid out before the Lord, just crying and snotting and encountering the presence of the Lord. And I see this right next to me. I open my eyes and there's, Good morning, Daddy. Can I have some cereal? I said, I'm not getting up earlier than five. Jesus ain't even awake. Got up at 4.30. He said, what are you doing? Go back to sleep. <laughs> Pastor Landon, if you've been around Fort Worth at all, you've heard Pastor Landon talk about running on the Trinity Trail. Pastor Landon likes to get up at even earlier than 5. The praise be to God. Let, let, you know, whatever. But he gets up even earlier than 5 and he'd be running on the Trinity Trail. That's not the way, you hear my voice? That's not the way I encounter the Lord. <laughs> Whew. My wife, she encounters God by getting on the floor in her closet. I mean, she will just be curled up Indian style on the floor. Now, if I spent an hour Indian style on the floor, I would need a gurney (laughs) to get out of there. So it's not the way I connect with God, but there are many ways to connect with the Lord. Some people connect with God through nature. Some people connect with God through conversation, some through learning, some through encounter, some through experience. There are many ways to connect with God. And MC Connect is a way that we help you discover that. You take a very simple um, assessment. It helps you figure out what are your top ways to connect with God. And then you meet with a connector. We have one-on-one appointments, and they are life-changing appointments. We don't do anything around Mercy Culture Church without the presence of the Lord. And that includes our MC Connect appointments. This is where the people serve that have a prophetic gift on their lives. And when you go into an MC Connect appointment, you're gonna get wrecked. Now, I came in, I went through my MC Connect appointment. I was like, I'm a pastor here. <sighs> I know the Lord. I've been serving God a long time. I'm sure this will be good. We'll see what, he, what happens. Dario, where's Dario? See he you around here? He's probably working somewhere. Dario Caldwell runs our MC Connect process here in Waco, and he was my connector for my wife and I. And he opened it up, and he said, I just, have, I just want to share this one word. And he just shared this word from the Lord. And literally, in an instant, it was like... <laughs> you know, it was the ugly cry, snot, just the whole... <laughs> it's nice to meet you. So it was the whole... <laughs> Just everything, and it was an amazing encounter with the Lord. I promise you, MC Connect will change your life. I come to tell you, you can walk with Jesus daily. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13, it says this, The Bible calls Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. It's Isaiah prophesying the coming king. In Romans chapter five, verses nine through 10, it says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Verse 11 goes on to say, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. See, the cross is not a fire escape. The cross is a pathway to communion with the creator of the universe. But so many of us have viewed the cross as a get out of jail free card. I got saved. That's all I need. I've got the cross. I just don't want to go to hell. But the cross is a pathway restoring daily communion with the presence of the Lord. Jesus is the answer to the cry of the Father in the Garden of Eden. He said, where are you? Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, it says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He said, and Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. The cross covers our nakedness. The cross restores our relationship to be able to walk with God again in the cool of the day. When I was younger, I I thought that a relationship with God was about coming to church if I could just come to church, if I could just get to church on Sunday morning. and those days, we also came to church on Sunday night, and I wore a different suit on Sunday morning, and then I changed it to a different suit for Sunday night. Y'all don't know nothing about that. but. And then we would come back on Wednesday night. Let me just get to church on Wednesday night. Let me just get to church on Wednesday night. I had to just get into the presence of the Lord because I thought that was the way that you had a relationship with God. And maybe I would crack open the Bible and read the Bible and read. Sometimes the word was dry and I wasn't walking with Jesus in the cool of the day. I I did not have the revelation that the cross restored our relationship with God. We see this in Nicodemus, the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a religious man. He was pious. He was knowledgeable. He was raised in church. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a teacher and ruler of the Jews. And as a Pharisee, Nicodemus would have been very patriotic. He was traditional. He was religious. He was ritualistic. He was the guy that had two nice cars in his driveway and 2.3 2.3 children and a beautiful dog and a white picket fence and waved his flag. I mean, he just was the guy, right? He knew, he knew about church. He knew the Bible. He knew what to say and what to do. As a ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus would have been in the highest echelons of society. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was like, like in Congress today. So he was a prominent man In John 3, verse 1, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So we see in Scripture that Nicodemus believed in the miracles that Jesus was performing. He was comfortable with certain miracles, but not too far. We see this in verse 3. It says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How could an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of both water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. To truly encounter the presence of the Lord, you must give up your need to understand what's happening. Jesus said, you can't understand the Spirit of God. Just as the wind blows and you don't know where it's coming from and you can't see where it's going, that's how the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. He is the Spirit of Jesus. And if we require understanding of everything that's happening with him, we will not know him. We will not encounter him. So one of the ways that we encounter the Lord is letting go of our right to understand. For some of us, we are so learned in the scripture. We are so learned in the way that church is supposed to be conducted. And we have confused preference for theology. And we have said, this is my preference of the way things must be done. And I don't understand how they're doing it, or they're doing it, or they're doing it. And so I reject it. Verse 9, it says, how are these things possible? Nicodemus asks. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you. We tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. He is so knowledgeable of what is acceptable and what isn't that he just couldn't believe for the impossible. There were certain miracles that were acceptable to the religious leaders of their day, there were certain avenues that were acceptable. We see it when Jesus healed the man with the withered hand. He comes forward, and the Pharisees said, Are you going to heal this man? It's the Sabbath. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to do good. Stretch forth your hand. And the man with the withered hand stretched forth his hand and he was healed. And what happened? The very next sentence, the Bible says that the Pharisees then began to plot the murder of Jesus. Why? Because they didn't mind him performing his miracles within the confines of their religious system. See, the spirit of religion doesn't mind you having a relationship with God as long as it is confined within its religious system. The spirit of religion doesn't mind if we flourish and grow within the walls of these churches, But the moment we begin to step out and influence culture, it's when we begin to anger that spirit. That's when the spirit begins to plot your murder. Verse 16 says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's interesting to me that the most famous scripture in the New Testament was delivered to a religious man. I'm gonna give you some practical advice. You ready? Don't resist the gifts of the Holy Spirit, don't be ignorant of the gifts of the spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Uninformed is the Greek word agnoeno. There we go. I got it out. Yeah, you can laugh. It's all right. Agnoeno. Don't be ignorant or not to know, unknown, ununderstanding, uninformed, ignorant, unaware, unable to recognize. Be careful that you don't reject or resist the Spirit of Jesus when He comes in a form that you don't recognize. So, how do we reject the resistance of God's Holy Spirit? You lean in to the supernatural. When you feel something rejecting something that somewhere inside of you you know is the Lord, what do you do? You lean into it. Don't pull away, don't run from it, lean into it. Break any inner vows. What do I mean by an inner vow? Anybody ever said, "I will never do that." I will never go to a church that waves flags. I will never believe, I will never believe that thing. I will never do that. See, we don't wave flags for you, right? We do it for the Lord. Let's not reject things that we may not understand. I've got a great story of this in my own life. I was a young man and I was invited to a service, And I was raised in a in a spirit filled denomination, but it was very traditional. And there were certain ways that the Holy Spirit moved. And if the Holy Spirit were to move outside of those ways, we wasn't having it. My family's here this morning. this This morning, it is nighttime. My family's here tonight. I love my, my mom and my dad and my grandparents are here and they raised me in the house of the Lord, but they can tell you there were certain ways that the spirit of the Lord would move. And if things would happen outside of that, it was like, whoa, this isn't God. And I was invited to this meeting and I was with my dad. I will never forget this. And at the meeting, the Holy Spirit was moving through this man in, in through laughter. People would laugh. They just start laughing. And I remember going to it. I was thinking, well, that won't happen to me. <laughs> bless God. I don't believe in that stuff. That's not going to happen to me. That's just crazy. That's foolish. I'm going to see what's going on though. I'm going to watch them, right? And so I showed up and I'm watching them and I'm looking around and I'm like, wow, these people are nuts. It's okay. Some of y'all looked at me like that tonight. <laughs> it's all right. We're used to it. So looked around. I was like, these people are crazy. And then all of a sudden I started, <laughs> And I thought I was laughing at them. Can I just be honest? I know the preacher's not supposed to laugh at people, but I, I did. I thought I was laughing at them. I was like, this is hilarious. And then it hit me. <laughs> I start laughing uncontrollably. I start weeping in the presence of the Lord. I fall out of my seat under the power and the presence of God. And it began a journey for me, a journey to lean into the things that I didn't understand. And that may be some of you tonight that are on that journey that are seeking, that are looking, that are trying to figure out some things you don't understand. We see this in the story of Zacchaeus. Anybody know the story of Zacchaeus? We used to sing about it in children's church. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a... Come on, there we go. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. (laughs) My wife asked me on the way here. She goes, are you going to sing it? I I looked at her like she was crazy. No, I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) Then I sang it. So he was a chief. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector under the Roman system. He and his subordinates were responsible to Rome for collecting taxes based on population. But they had a little clause in there. They had the freedom to collect taxes the way they saw fit. Zacchaeus was probably disliked for a couple of reasons I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because some of y'all may, may work for the IRS everybody's got to make a living but how many of you like tax collectors don't raise your hand probably not your most favorite people hello I'm from the IRS Ah! right this is not fun it's not welcome come in I made you a cake no He was probably disliked for a couple of reasons. First, he was a Hebrew working under the Roman system. And secondly, tax collectors often became rich by collecting more taxes than the Romans demanded. So, you know, he was like, one for me, one for you. Take a little bit more than they demanded. So the people did not like Zacchaeus. And Luke chapter 19, verse 1, says this Jesus entered into Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Where am I short sure people at? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. See, a lot of us have treated Jesus the way Zacchaeus treated Jesus. A lot of us treat Jesus like he's a celebrity that we want to view from a distance. A lot of people treat the house of God like it's a show. Let me go to the Jesus show. I just want to come in. Y'all entertain me. I want to be entertained. I, the, the temperature's got to be just right, and the songs got to be, y'all didn't do enough fast songs, and they did a little too many slow songs, and I really appreciate if it's a little shorter than that, and why didn't they, and this and that, and I want to sit back and I want to watch the show. But see, Jesus calls us his bride. We've looked for entertainment, and he's looking for intimacy. In verse five, it says this, when Jesus reached the spot, somebody say the spot. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I find it interesting that, Jesus, that Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus, but Jesus knew Zacchaeus. He went to the spot and called him out. Verse 6, it says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Don't you love muttering people? He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Verse eight says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. See, Zacchaeus came out of curiosity, but he was changed through an encounter. Had he stayed in that tree, Zacchaeus would have climbed down at the end of the show and he would have left that meeting amazed at what he saw. He would have left that meeting shocked by the miracles that he witnessed. He would have left that meeting entertained. He would have talked about that for years to come and he would have left that meeting the same way that he showed up. But because he responded to the call of Jesus. He had an encounter with the Lord. Zacchaeus wasn't changed by observing Jesus. Zacchaeus wasn't changed by learning about Jesus. Zacchaeus wasn't changed by watching other people be touched by Jesus. Zacchaeus was changed by encountering Jesus. And when he encountered Jesus, there was a response. There was a change. The Bible said he gave away half of his money and he restored everything that he had stolen from others by four times. There was a response and the response was righteousness. Verse 10, it says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus tells Zacchaeus, gives Zacchaeus a very important principle about why he came. He said, I've come to seek and to save. See, so many of us have the saved part down. We're good with the saved part. We're like Nicodemus. We have a certain boundary that we're comfortable with, but it's the seek part that makes us uncomfortable. I don't know if I want God to seek after me. I'm I'm not sure if I want the presence of the Lord to encounter me. I don't know if I want him to come into my house and into the place where I keep my secrets. I don't know if I want him to come into the place where all of the stuff that I've been hiding is at. I don't know if I want him to come to my spot. Because when you have an encounter with the Lord, there will be a response. I'll give you some more practical advice. How do we not reject the the chasing of the presence of the Lord. We participate, don't just watch. When Jesus asked for an encounter, Zacchaeus had to say yes. The Bible says he came down immediately. Jesus said, come down immediately, and Zacchaeus came down. Jesus met him at the spot. I believe everybody needs a spot. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was seven years old. And we'll teach you guys more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you don't know. We're going to dive into the gifts of the Spirit over the next few weeks. But I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at 7, I received my prayer language. It's a prayer language. The Bible says that we can pray the mysteries of heaven, that we can pray the perfect will of God, and that when we pray in the Spirit, that it can uh, restore our soul, that it can uplift us. I received my prayer language at 7 years old, but I don't have a memory of salvation. I didn't have a salvation memory before that, and then life happened, and uh, life got difficult, <laughs> and there were some difficult things, and Nikki and I were married. We were younger than we are now, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I fixed it, so we were married, and, uh, but there was some just so many difficulties that we had faced in life, and I had rejected the presence of the Lord, and I had made an inner vow that I was done. I was done with church, I was done with ministry, I was finished. I had been hurt, and I had been hurt by the house of God. I had been devastated, I had been hurt, I had rejected the presence of the Lord. And it was so strong and to such a point, when I would go to my family's house, my grandparents are here, they're two of the greatest Christians that I've ever known. And they encounter the presence of the Lord every day, and they taught me how to do it. You walk into their house in the morning, and you're going to hear them praying in the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear them encountering the presence of the Lord. And when they pray, anytime God's presence shows up, and we'd be over there, and we'd be having dinner or having lunch, and I knew it was time to pray over the food. And when my grandfather says, precious Jesus, the Lord shows up. And I didn't want that. And so when it was time to pray over the food, I'd have to go to the restroom. I'd get up, and I would leave the room and I would wait because I knew one taste under the presence of the Lord, and it would be over. If I just feel his presence again, and I wasn't ready. And then my brother invited me to his church, and he was doing something. He was leading worship or something, and I said, well, I guess we have to go, and I don't really want to go. Some of you are here tonight under those same pretenses. I don't really want to be there, but I guess we're going to go. And I showed up to church, and I sat through praise and worship, and I had my heart heart hardened, and I closed myself off, and I didn't want to receive, and I was standing there like this. For whatever reason, I came back a second week. I came back the second week, and I was really digging in my heels. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to feel anything. Hello, God bless you, right? I knew all the Christianese and all the things to say. And I'm standing there and I'm just digging in. And I don't know what the preacher preached about. I don't know what song they sang. I couldn't tell you one thing that happened. All I know is that when it came time for the altar, the Holy Spirit arrested me and pulled me to the altar. The pastor walked over to me and my wife. We fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, I don't believe in that. Okay. We fell out under the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord started to speak to me. And I got up off the ground, a changed man. And I never stopped pursuing his presence. I had a spot. I can take you back to a spot and say, right here, Jesus changed my life. Don't allow your comfort to dictate your response. Growth always requires discomfort. It wasn't easy for Zacchaeus to give away half of his wealth and restore what he had stolen from others. It certainly wasn't easy for me to go down to that altar that day. It it isn't easy for us to respond to the Lord sometimes. Sometimes it's very difficult, and everything that is within us is saying, no, no, I won't move. I won't do it. Band, if you guys could come on up. I believe that many of us in this room tonight have been curious about Jesus like Zacchaeus was. Maybe you've been watching from a distance, trying to catch a glimpse of him, but nothing has changed. He wants to come and visit you. He wants to come and stay in the most intimate places of your life. He wants to come to your home. And when he does, everything changes. We see this dramatic change in the story of the woman at the well. This woman was a Samaritan. She was descended from the northern kingdom of Israel. She apparently had a religious background, as evidenced by her remarks, when she said, Our Father Jacob, and she said, We know that the Messiah cometh. But this woman was marginalized. She was outcast. She was part of an ethnicity that the Jews had nothing to do with. They were looked down upon. And for whatever reason, this woman had lived a complicated life. She had five husbands and now was living with a man to whom she was not married. It seems that her religious background had little current significance to her life. John chapter 4, starting at verse 7, we see this encounter that she had with Jesus. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink play Yeshua for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food verse 9 says the Samaritan woman said to him how is it that you a Jew ask for a drink from me a woman of Samaria for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. You see, this woman was trying to relate Jesus to past religious experiences. She said, how are you going to give me living water? You don't have the tools that I'm used to people giving me water with. You're not using the same tools that my past religious background told me I would receive your presence, your water. You think you're better than Jacob. She's comparing Jesus to the religious system that she had built up in her mind. This woman was probably, she probably dealt with deep hurts from her past, hurt by religious people that were around her. See, what she didn't understand is that you can't compare a church experience to a Holy Spirit encounter. And then Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and, call, and come back. She said, I have no husband. Jesus looked at her and said, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands and the man you're living with right now, you're not married to. One of my favorite lines in the Bible, she looks at Jesus and said, sir, I think you're a prophet. She said, our ancestors, so she hears This sign, this miracle, this wonder, this man whom she doesn't know told her her life story, her deepest secrets, the thing that she was most ashamed of. He said, no, no, no. You've been married five times before and you're living with someone Who is it, your husband? And I know because I know my Jesus. When he said it to her, she felt the greatest love she had ever felt in her life. Yet her immediate response was our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She immediately went back to the religious system that she knew. She spoke from her place of hurt. felt in my spirit that tonight some of you would experience the presence of the Lord and you would feel something rise up within you that would immediately pull back to the thing that you've always known, the place that hurt you. The Lord wants to teach us through this scripture how He wants to encounter us. See she, the woman at the well didn't find fulfillment in church life. She kept looking for fulfillment everywhere else. She looked for fulfillment in men and sex and marriage. She thought she was thirsty for physical water. She thought that that would fulfill her, but Jesus showed her that there was more. The cry of her heart was there has to be more. Verse 21 woman, Jesus replied. He said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit And in truth, this woman had been beaten up by the rules of worship. Where to worship, when to worship, how to worship. None of that worked for her. Her Christ said, there has to be more. Verse 25 said, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared to her, One of the only times in the Bible that Jesus declares, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. See, Jesus didn't have the time to take her through a detailed theology lesson. He didn't take her through his genealogy. She didn't know the mysteries of the word of God, but she had an encounter with Jesus that changed everything. He told her, I don't just want you to take a drink. I want to give you a well that will never run dry. See, Jesus did not tell her to do anything. Jesus did not give her advice. He did not reprimand her. He simply encountered her. Every encounter with Jesus that we've read about and every encounter with Jesus that we see in the Bible and every encounter with the spirit of Jesus that we see today has three things in common. Number one is the death of spiritual apathy. Even if people didn't choose Jesus, they could no longer deny that they had a choice to make. When you encounter the Spirit of the Lord, something comes alive on the inside of you. And even if you reject God's Spirit, you can no longer believe that there is nothing outside of yourself. The second thing that every encounter with the Lord has in common is the burial of anything that is exalted above Him. The people that encountered with Jesus had to bury their religious systems. They had to bury their their political stances. They had to bury their economic station. They even had to bury their family relations. Jesus said to his own mother and brothers, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Those that are in the kingdom. They have to bury their national identity, even their personality. They had to bury their racial identity, their ethnicity, anything that exalted itself above their identity in him. The third thing, was a resurrection of hope. You see, even if you deny the encounter with the Lord and even in the Bible when people turned away God, there was a resurrection of hope. It's why I ran from his presence when I did. It was too painful to hope again. Hope is scary because with breath, responsibility if there is a hope I have a responsibility to keep going but if it's hopeless I can quit I believe that some of us tonight have become so comfortable in our grave we've turned our grave into a bed we've been so comfortable in hopelessness that it is so terrifying to dream again so terrifying to hope again. Those things that I felt like God told me, those things are dead. It's hopeless. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't have to worry about whether it may not work out for me anymore. It's hopeless, I reject it. But when hope is revived, we have responsibility. My question for all of us tonight is who are you in these stories? Are you Nicodemus? If you're Nicodemus, I want you to ask yourself, what is my unacceptable miracle? What is the thing that is a bridge too far? I just can't receive that. Are you Zacchaeus? Have you just come tonight to observe? Just wanted to see. Just want to watch. I don't want to go too far. I just want to observe. Are you the woman at the well? Is there a cry within your spirit that says there has to be more? Day after day, I keep coming to this well. I keep drawing and yet I keep coming back thirsty. Religion didn't work for me. The world didn't work for me. The church hurt me. There has to be more. I want everybody, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes tonight. was praying into this evening i saw some people that were coming tonight that had been hurt so badly by church i wrote this down i said that you were afraid to even come and the holy spirit said no the word is terrified some of you have been so hurt by church that you are terrified to come somebody invited you you thought "I'll, i'll go ahead and show up tonight i I watched these videos, I saw something posted online, I'll, I'll, I'll come, but I'm terrified. I, I don't wanna get my hopes up again. My hopes were so high and I was so hurt. I just don't wanna get my hopes up again. I Just don't wanna believe again. I just can't go there again. I just, I just can't do it again. You, you didn't want to encounter God because you knew once you did that you would want more. And I heard the spirit of the Lord say, this time is different. So God doesn't just want to touch you. He doesn't just want to have a one-time encounter with you. It's, this is not a show. He wants to develop a daily relationship relationship with you. He wants to welcome you into intimacy with him. We're going to go into this time of worship. I'm just going to sing this simple song before the Lord. For some of you, you may need to kneel. For some of you, you may need to come down to the altar. For some of you, stand and lift your hands. For others of you, it might just be staying where you seated. But the Spirit of Jesus wants to encounter you tonight. The Spirit of Jesus wants to take you by the hand. The Spirit of Jesus wants you to get your hopes up again. He wants to get your hopes up again. He wants you to dream again. He wants you to hope again. He wants you to extend your faith again. He wants to awaken that spirit part of you that's been dormant and quiet and asleep that has become so comfortable in the grave that you've made it into a bed. He's waking you up tonight. There is more. There is more. There is more.